What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. And you're listening to African Dialogue, where we look at uh, the big conversations on the African continent. And we give you a bit of context on uh, some of these issues, varying uh, from uh, politics uh, to even social conversations taking place. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Also on DSTV channel 802 on that audio bouquet. Uh, Don't forget that you can get hold of us uh, on uh, our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, uh, we're looking at a media story today, investigative journalism on the continent faces various challenges and some of those really range from political intimidation. We know also the issue of access to information can be a challenge and financial support. Uh, recently, uh, Wits University hosted the 10th Global Investigative Journalism a Conference, which brought together uh, journalists and media practitioners from the continent and abroad to discuss the role of the genre of journalism on the African continent. Well, heading up this uh, uh, gathering was Anton Harbour, who's the adjunct professor of journalism at Wits University. Also, we've got Sam Saul on the line, who's a senior investigative journalist, very prominent in South Africa and managing partner at Amabungane. And also we'll uh, be joined by Kate Wilkinson, senior researcher at Africa Check. Let's start the conversation with you, Anton, in terms of what are we actually talking about when we refer to uh, investigative journalism. It's a very much unique um, form of journalism. It requires a lot of time and also a lot of financial uh, support in itself. But it's one of those... uh, forms of uh, journalism that is dwindling a little bit because of the issue of the finances that go behind it? Well, let me say, first of all, that all journalism is, in a sense, investigative. Or certainly what we promote is the idea that investigative techniques, the attitude of uh, digging below the surface, of not just reporting what we see, but digging below to find out what lies behind it, sure. shining one's journalistic torch in, 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 into dark corners. That's what we try to do and encourage in all journalists. But here we're we talking about dedicated investigative journalists, those individuals and teams around the world and in many African places and certainly strongly in this country um, who dedicate themselves to um, using their investigative techniques to to hold to account those who wield power and wealth um, and expose uh, everything those people would not want exposed. And in in terms of that, uh, we know that investigative journalism, as you highlighted, is very broad, but there is that specific type whereby it's really geared into really manners and systems that are incorporated of uh, a style of journalism that is utilized, Anton. What makes investigative journalism unique to maybe uh, more mainstream reporting? 
Well, it's not, you know. It, it, it happens often in alternative media. Sure. Uh, um, it, 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 it's not unique at all. As I say, one tries for it to pervade all journalism. But we have a growing number of individuals and teams across our continent, for example, who dedicate themselves to the kind of accountability journalism. In other words, to investigate um, what's going on in government and the private sector uh, and exposing wrongdoing in particular. Let me move to you, uh, Sam Sola. I know that in South Africa, you're one of those prominent uh, journalists. You've worked for uh, various uh, platforms and newspapers, and now you really have been really part of a big team that has done a lot of work in journalism in South Africa, which is the Amabungani team, and you're the managing partner there as well. Do you agree uh, with Anton that there's nothing really unique about investigative journalism? He highlighted that it is more of an accountability form of journalism. I think it's unique. I think it's very much a a dying art in in, in journalism. There's a lot of the, the quoting culture that's coming in with Reporters are always referring to what's on Twitter. I don't know if we still have that growing culture of investigative journalism and the financial support behind it, Sam. Look, I think those two things are, are related, the financial support um, and, and, the, and, and the culture. I, I, I agree with Anton that it's a question of degree. Um, okay. You know, uh, every, every uh, good piece of journalism is... Uh, to some extent, in, investigative. Okay. But you know, because of it, it does require one to investigate rather than just to report, uh, like a stenographer, what, sure. what somebody says. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it requires time, it requires skills, and that requires money. Um, and so we have a tension at the moment where accountability journalism. Um, is in a sense become more more, more popular as as a, as an idea. Um, it's become more vital and necessary because of the the, the failure or the weakening of other accountability systems. Um, but at the same time, you know the the institutional framework and funding and so on to to support that kind of expensive journalism sure. um, has been withering away, and that's. That's one of the why, reasons why we, we launched Amabungani as a non-profit supported by, um, by foundations and, and also now more recently by, by crowdfunding by small, small donors um, because the commercial um, framework um, to fund good journalism mm. in, 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 in so many ways um, is, is, is in crisis. Well, let me bring in Kate here because it's an interesting um, uh, way to actually look at their work at uh, at Africa Check, which is a fact-checking organization. And uh, thank you, Kate, for joining us. That's Kate Wilkinson, Senior Researcher at Africa Check. Kate, in terms of uh, this uh, issue that we're highlighting here, very already... Uh, cementing the idea that uh, all forms of journalism are investigative. But do you see a correlation or a difference between fact-checking and investigative journalism, especially in a culture that we see in social media now where fake news has become also a big factor in uh, the dissemination of news? 
I think that they certainly are similarities and differences. I think that probably the, the first big difference that um, stands out when it comes to fact-checking is that we are not, we're not looking for a story. Um, sometimes a lot of the work that we do um, isn't very sexy. Um, it doesn't make headlines. Um, we really just look at statements of fact made by influential people in public and we determine whether they're true or false. And that sometimes means that when we do our work and we find that people have said things that are true, we write a report on that. Whereas normally um, you wouldn't see an investigative story with a headline saying so-and-so told Parliament the mm. truth. Um, it's, it's just not the, the sort of headline or the sort of story that you'd see on, on a front page. Um, but we do, we do sort of follow the same the same methods, we use the same tools, um, the, the, the same um, forms to find information, to get access to data, um, to speak to sources, to use experts to uncover what we need to find. And really, um, you know, like Anton said, all journalism should be investigative. And we also believe that all journalism should include, a, you know, should include fact-checking. And unfortunately, with the 20 um, resource cuts and mm -hmm. um, less people in newsrooms. Often, um, you know, um, fact-checking and verification is sacrificed for speed, um, and it's something that we hope um, we can um, rectify by showing how easy it can be to fact-check and also by offering, offering training to help newsrooms get it right. Well, looking at it from a South African uh, context, uh, Sam, um, we know that uh, post uh, the apartheid era, there has been a lot of um, uh, growth when it comes to investigative journalism or more, maybe a more of a focus uh, to it uh, from looking at the arms deal mysteries to the Gupta Gate scenarios that we're seeing now. South Africa's investigative journalism has been critical in the post-apartheid era. Why do you think this has been so important and emphasized in our country, Sam? Uh, look, I think we are lucky in the sense that, um, you know, the, the, the culture and the origins of what we can celebrate about our craft today um, was, was built in, in the apartheid era, in the, in the, in the independent media, um, you know, headed by Anton, the Mail and Guardian, uh, for instance, sure. at, at, at the time. Um, so, you know, that the, the shining of light in dark corners... Um, was 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 created as 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 an ideal for the media and, and and as an aspirational goal and and you know that was also reflected to some extent um, in the in the other commercial media at, 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 at the time. So I think anything that we've done has 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 been to to say that 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 culture of mm. um, accountability journalism that 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 served us well in um, in challenging apartheid. Um, actually is appropriate um, in, in dealing with any any kind of locus of, of, of power and 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 even in the you know in the in the in the post apartheid period because it it would have been silly to 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 think that you know with with all the problems that we were in, inheriting and all um, you know all all the uh, uh, tests and and temptations um, that that we could we could just just relax and um, you know and, and re report uh, things that are, weren't so important. Mm. So we we built on that, and I think um, uh, one one as I say, it's become more important because of the way in which 
other institutions of accountability that were built into our, our constitutional framework um, have been systematically undermined. So uh, the, the police, the prosecution service, um, uh, you know, even SARS, uh, attacks on the courts, um, the uh, independence of our, our kind of parliamentary system in, in, in holding the executive to account, although there's been a renaissance there. Um, and be- because of those challenges, um, I think, you know, journalists have, have, have moved somewhat to, the, to center stage and, mm. and, and uh, I hope have risen, risen, to the, risen to the task. Antoine, let me come to you because Sam has highlighted your role in it. I I know that uh, you have been uh, very central in uh, the history of investigative journalism in South Africa. You were the Mail and Guardian founding editor, which has been central in the last uh, 20 years as playing a pivotal role in the investigative journalism culture in the country. Looking at uh, the history of the country, we experienced that euphoric era of uh, the Nelson Mandela uh, Rainbow Nation period in South Africa. For you as a journalist in that particular period, why did you think it was important to maintain this uh, accountability journalism in that particular euphoric climate? Uh, Well, I think we knew that, yes, uh, Everything was euphoric and celebratory in the immediate transitional period. But we knew that, um, particularly now that we're an open democracy, mm-hmm. um, uh, the capacity to do investigative journalism would be much greater and that um, it would play an important role in building and sustaining our democracy. Uh, we, knew, we knew that in time there would be issues of accountability, issues of uh, of all kinds of problems. And the role of the investigative journalist is to get people to see and understand um, um, all, all those kinds of problems, including many of the social problems that we're tackling in the new South Africa. So we had to change the kind of investigative journalism we did um, at the Mail and Guardian and at other places. Um, but I think it was it was adapting to 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 the the space one has and the role one plays um, in a young democracy such as ours. And I think particularly in the last year or two, but in fact over the whole period, you've seen that when there's been uh, issues like the arms deal, mm. um, like uh, in Kandla, um, and more recently um, the issues of state capture. Um, Journalists have played a particularly important role in ensuring that uh, we know about it, um, that it's not hidden, um, because accountability grows out of transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, first, you have to know about it, and then you have to make people uh, take responsibility for it. Um, and um, journalists played an extraordinary role in all of these stories in ensuring that what happened was known and uh, thereby putting pressure on the institutions of the state to take action around it. Staying with you, Anton, what is interesting for me, what I would like to know from you, do you think that there were changes in the style or the way it was approached, the investigative journalism, in the post-apartheid era and before that particular period? Or do you think it was an extension of uh, uh, the, the, the tools that were being utilized? Well, look, there's a long tradition of really great investigative journalism in this country. 
um, you must remember. It goes back to Mr. Drum, um, uh, Nat Nakaza, sure, sure. in the 1950s. Uh, there was important work done in the 1960s at the Rand Daily Mail and the Sunday Times. There was Infogate. There was the information scandal. Sure. Um, so there is a long and important history. But so, uh, and, and it continues into the new era. But certainly when you're in a democracy, um, uh, the approach and the techniques change because you, are, you, you, you have greater access to information, you have rights to information, which we didn't have pre-democracy, um, and you operate within a degree of safety. Um, so while there have been threats to investigative journalists in our democracy, um, it's not the kind of uh, very serious threat to life and limb that uh, was often uh, the case under apartheid. Well, we're speaking to Anton Harbour, the adjunct professor of journalism at Wits University. Also joining us on the line, we've got Kate Wilkinson, senior researcher at Africa Czech. Sam Sol also joins us. Uh, he's the senior investigative journalist in South Africa and uh, also a managing partner at Amabungani. Remember, we want you to interact with us. Uh, we've got a question on social media. We're asking the question, how do you think uh, investigative journalism influences the politics of our time? We'll come to that particular uh, issue. We'll zoom into the various cases that we've seen in the post-apartheid era in South Africa and maybe look uh, broadly onto the African continent at some of the challenges within uh, this type of uh, journalism. Uh, give us your thoughts at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. We want to hear your views or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back with our guests. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonyi in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbero Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noel Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, today we've been looking at a story that we've been wanting to do for the last two weeks. It's just so much has been happening on the African continent that we kept on pending this particular story, which is very important. How is investigative uh, journalism playing a role in African countries and also how does it influence the politics of our times I want to come back to you Kate because you work in an interesting space fact checking is an interesting type of journalism indeed but in this arena 
where we find ourselves where fake news is becoming very much prominent. There was a time where uh, at the beginning where people couldn't figure it out what fake news was. It was very much difficult to actually uh, really separate the two. Uh, fake news sites were very much prominent and we know that played a huge role when we look at uh, the presidential campaign of the likes of the Donald Trumps of our times. We know that it's also had a very huge impact in South Africa as well and uh, we know that there were scandals that took place in that regard connected to the politics of contemporary politics. But what do you think is fact-finding or fact-checking right now in terms of uh, the scenarios that we've seen in uh, the fake news culture that which dominates social media? Now, I think that um, we've actually been really lucky that, um, you know, over the last decade we've seen fact-checking organizations and the independent practice of fact-checking spreading across the world and across the continent. Right now, Africa Check um, has offices and teams working in four African countries. And it's really been a great coincidence that the rise in fact-checking has um, also in some way coincided with the rise of fake news because mm. it has been um, a defense and it has been a way for us to counter this misinformation. Um, I think that it's important, though, to differentiate between the types of misinformation that we, we, we find online. Like you said, we have traditional fake news websites, which are websites which are set up to publish fake stories traffic and to generate huge ad revenue. And then of information such as misinformation or propaganda or images and numbers used out of context. And understanding the differences, the agendas behind them, the damage that they can do, and also the appropriate responses and solutions to trying to solve the problem is important. So you need to understand the, the ecosystem of false information and how you can tackle all these problems. But like you said, it does make the work that we do a bit harder. Um, first of all, um, you just have to imagine from the point of view of an average person on social media or on the internet who is constantly bombarded with information mm. and really in some cases has limited skills, limited resources to try and decipher what is true and what is false. And part of the work that we do is to help the public understand where the truth lies and that's through our fact-checking reports and our fact sheets. But the other part of it is really an educational and an outreach um, approach, and that is Africa Check and fact-checking organizations can't fact-check every claim, every piece of fake news, every bit of propaganda or misinformation. We don't have enough eyes and ears um, and, and, you know, resources to do that. Teaching and helping the public understand how to interrogate this information on their own, um, teaching them how they can spot um, red flags, what questions to ask, and also where they can go to find information um, to help them sort through uh, the, 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 the cloud and find where the truth lies so that they can not then spread that misinformation and actually spread accurate information, which is vital mm -hmm. for public debate, especially in a time and a society where we are very polarized on certain issues. Mm -hmm. And having that accurate information and evidence important to progress these issues. Well, let me come to you, Sam, in terms of the environment that we are in right now, and uh, we are also in that space of fake uh, uh, news. And uh, what's also interesting to me is where um, 
you know, investigative journalism is is influencing political decisions lately. We've now we've seen the Eskom inquiry actually being central in Parliament. We've seen also uh, other issues of state capture. There's an inquisition that's taking place even right now in South Africa's Parliament. But there are also other pending cases such as the arm deal mystery. It's still in the the back of uh, uh, the conversation. People don't know how to actually approach that one. Uh, your idea of uh, where we are with our investigative journalism and how it also influences the direction of our contemporary politics? Look, I think that, um, you know, it's a testimony to the strength of our journalism that mm. um, it has set, um, you know, the, the national agenda debates um, uh, over quite a long period of time. You mentioned the arms deal, mm. um, you know, currently state capture, um, those are all, you know, central issues of our politics which have been um, raised and, and, and driven by in, in investigative journalism. And and let's I, not I, forget I, the, the payback, the money scenario as well. Yeah, um, and I think that's, that's, you know, that, that's important. And, and I think partly that's why we have the phenomenon of, of, um, of misinformation, propaganda, mm. Uh, you know, which is sometimes described as as, as fake news, because um, I, th- I think on on the part of of kind of uh, nationalist populists uh, uh, everywhere, it, it's it's seen as a tool to 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 pollute uh, the national conversation, mm. uh, to to undermine people's faith in in in, in, in you know facts based based uh, reasoning and 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 rational rational debate. And um, you know, just shift things towards uh, you know emotions and 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 wherever the the strong man seems seems to be at at the time. Um, and we're we're engaged in a battle against that. And and I think one of the important things that we've had as as journalism craft in in this country, although you know there have been some lapses, is that we've sustained um, a sense of public trust. Uh, I think I remember seeing a. A, a survey in around 1994, and, and the kind of public uh, perception of politicians um, was was high and was good. The public perception of journalists was 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 poor, and I do think that we've we've uh, kind of swapped the, those those perceptions around a bit in the last um, uh, 20 odd years, um, and, and hopefully we can continue to to hold the public's trust and and, and deliver trustworthy material. I want to come back to you, Anton, because those are very interesting uh, views uh, that uh, Sam has highlighted. And it comes back to the experiences that the journalists have on the ground. As I highlighted when I started the program, uh, uh, you hosted the Global Investigative Journalism Conference uh, with uh, Wits University, which was held in Johannesburg. Uh, in terms of the shared experiences from journalists on the continent, are there any stories that you can sh- share with us? You know um, that the, the, the nature of investigative journalism these days is increasingly collaborative. Mm. Um, uh, the, the amount of information we get, the contacts we need to pursue it, the cross-border work we need to get done means that it's incredibly important for journalists to work together and collaborate and not work in silos. Mm. And this conference is where journalists come together to, to network, to make those relationships 
and uh, to plan their investigations of the future. And that's why it's really uh, an extremely important and valuable gathering. Uh, but part of what gets highlighted uh, at a conference such as this is uh, great stories, great work being done, in this case uh, around the world, but much of it on our continent. So we had stories from Kenya, from Nigeria. Uh, we met investigative journalists from all over the place, really, um, um, and hopefully built up contacts that will lead to that kind of collaboration in the future. And in terms of uh, the challenges that are faced, uh, could you highlight any of them? Um, I know on the African continent, um, one of the big challenges when it comes to investigative journalism is resourcing. Yes, well, I'd say the two biggest challenges are resourcing. Investigative journalism does take skills and it does take time. And uh, the days in which newsrooms had investigative journalists and could afford a team of investigative journalists um, uh, are largely gone. Um, so uh, we've had to find new ways. And part of what we do at the conference is think and exchange ideas mm. on new ways to share those resources, to find financial backing. And as I think you've heard, there's been a surge in non-profit funding. Sure. Um, uh, foundational, foundation-based funding for investigative journalism, and that's uh, what's kept it alive and even thriving in this atmosphere. And the second biggest uh, threat and challenge is, of course, the security mm. of investigative journalists, um, uh, the safety of their lives, the safety of their families, the security of their work, uh, freedom from harassment and detention, um, and even murder. Mm. Coming to you, Kate, uh, you know, we've also seen uh, uh, in South Africa various uh, challenges. We saw a big uh, uh, response when we saw the release of Jack Poe's book this year. Uh, we saw a complete resistance from institutions one could have thought would have wanted more information and would have supported the book that he had released, which was looking at the uh, SAR situation in the country. Uh, but we saw the state security agency saying that that uh, uh, they will actually uh, oppose the book and they want it actually retreated uh, or retrieved rather uh, from the bookstores. Uh, from your perspective, uh, uh, we know that in South Africa we still don't have uh, that much of a big uh, uh, political intimidation as we've seen other African countries. From your view, in this climate, uh, what have you uh, actually observed? I think that from Africa Check's perspective, when we set out to to start our organization and to launch it, we were very specific in choosing, first of all, South Africa as the country where we started because we yeah. knew we would have the space and the freedom and, for the most part, the security to do the work that we do, yeah. which in some cases exposes people, um, you know, for telling lies and bending the truth. And from there, we have been very strategic in choosing our other countries, working in Kenya, Nigeria, and Senegal, and trying to identify countries and um, institutions within those countries where we will be protected. And I think in South Africa, um, we do we do operate with the freedom um, and the space that we need. Um, we do see pushback, though, on the stories and the work that we do. But I think what's also interesting is that we also hear whispers and we, we, we get 
said information about um, the consequences of our work inside mm -hmm. these institutions. And while and maybe the formal um, response is a pushback, we also hear ministers and you know deputy directors saying that you know we have to make sure we get things right. We need to make sure we have the facts because if we don't, African Czechs are going to call us up and ask for them. So I think there's an, an external and an internal response to the work that we do. Um, and for the most part, um, we've been very lucky to enjoy the freedom that we need to do our work and also to see changes internally in some of the organizations which do have um, the, the force and um, the strength to, to push back at the work that we do. Sam, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this issue of political intimidation. Look, um, I think unfortunately it's uh, kind of it's a, it's a bit of a rising tide um, in, in this country. I, I think we have still have nothing like the pressure and intimidation and threats that um, many, many or most of our colleagues in the rest of the continent uh, face uh, daily. Um, and and, and I, I really hope that, you know, it never gets to that uh, situation here. But certainly I think we've seen with Jacques Poe's book and the threats to arrest him, the uh, kind of uh, uh, protests at journalists', journalists homes that uh, Black First Land First initiated, um, and, and, you know, just the, the general um, climate of, 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 of intolerance um, you know, journalists doing trying to do their work, photographers and so on have been, uh, and, and camera camera people have been attacked. Um, um, you know, it, it it's not getting any better. Um, and and again, one of the things that programs like this can 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 do is is try to popularize the role of of, of journalists so that you know that they are seen as as an important part of the community and the community you know acts to look look out for them. Well, I'm going to take a quick breather and then we'll be back after that and we'll get our final sentiments from our guests. And uh, uh, the final question will be, what is the future of African journalism when it comes to investigation? Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. That's something we don't shy about, giving you the African perspective. Remember, we are on the shortwave service. That's our main service into the continent on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. and South Africa neighboring countries, you can get us on DSTV, on the audio bouquet channel 802, and also online for our Pan-African community. We're on www.channelafrica.co.za. The future of investigative journalism on the African continent. We can't speak about the future, Anton, without emphasizing the need of uh, really uh, putting more emphasis on the training and experience. Uh, that's right. But, uh, I, you, you know, th th there is a lot going on across the continent. And mm. we're seeing investigative journalism centers like Amambogani springing up in Botswana, mm. in Malawi, in Tanzania, 
And I think this tells us that there is a growing um, core of investigative journalists finding their place and their footing across the continent. But uh, the two big issues that we said are resources and safety and security, because in many of these uh, countries, journalists um, are given a very hard time, um, and their lives can be addressed doing this kind of work. So uh, encouraging uh, governments to give them space to do their, their work and to see the value they bring and to get people to understand that value and give them support, uh, that's a big push we have to uh, continue making across the continent. Well, uh, Sam, uh, coming to you, uh, uh, looking at the future, in the past uh, there has been accusations uh, of certain investigative teams saying they've got a certain agenda, that they feel fulfilling someone's uh, uh, real ambition or uh, someone's target. Um, those conversations, do you still think they should be actually unpacked more when it comes to investigative journalism, or is it a way of uh, uh, just uh, uh, trying to marginalize the real issues? No, no, look, I think uh, those conversations um, must be encouraged. We have mm. to have those conversations. And I, I think uh, journalists always have to be on their guard uh, against being used uh, by factions, you know, for, for their own own ends. Mm. Um, um, because, you know, that undermines our credibility. Um, we, we do not want to be used, you know, in, in, in political fights merely as, as, as tools. And, and that puts a huge uh, responsibility on, on journalists, you know, to look at uh, their sources critically, to look at things, documents, that they're given critically, because we have to always bear in mind that, that, that sometimes the leak um, is the real story rather than, than the thing that whoever is leaking is, is trying to get us, uh, get us to, to, to write about. And we have to assure audiences that we, we take an independent view um, and, and try to give the, you know, the best version of the truth um, that, as, as, as we see it, rather than fitting into anybody's ideological or, or political agenda. Kate, let's wrap it up with you. Um, Fact-checking is so important in uh, the uh, social media landscape indeed and does have a great future. Fact-checking is, is only going to go from strength on the continent. Um, we were at the conference just recently at this we were um, really overjoyed to see um, the, the, a wide range of journalists working in a number of African countries who work, who want to start organizations, who want to come and work as fellows with us, who want our support and resources to do the important work that is needed to hold people and public figures accountable for what they say. So I think we, we it's a bright future. Um, like um, Antoine has said, we need resources, um, we need support from government, but we also need support from the public because when it comes to investigative journalism, um, it's really a... Uh, something which is, can only be made stronger by the public rallying behind the journalists and the work that we're doing um, to push forward accountability and accuracy in public debate.
Well, this has been a very insightful conversation looking at the uh, journalists themselves. I know that journalists don't necessarily like being interviewed themselves. So we really appreciate you giving us a little bit of a piece of your world. Thank you to Sam Saul, Senior Investigative Journalism, a journalist rather, and Managing Direct or Partner at Amabungani. And also we had Anton Harbour, the adjunct professor of journalism at Wits University. Thank you as well to Kate Wilkinson. Uh, my actually my technical producer my executive producer is a Brad Wilkinson so we're saying maybe I'm related to Kate so maybe I'm related to Kate but uh, maybe you guys need to figure that out but uh, Kate Wilkinson is a senior researcher at Africa Check thank you all uh, for giving us your time